Welcome to the study of God's Word, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, let's open our Bibles and study God's Word. Well, I just want to say um, just a really heartfelt thank you from my whole family. Um, you know, when, when you're away for periods of time from what is home, when you know you can come back to a place and feel like you're with family, that means a lot. And uh, yeah, I, I had a sense that um, as I was preparing for this that I was going to be emotional. Um, I w- wasn't quite expecting to feel it r- right now, <laughs> um, but I just want to say thank you. And uh, even though there's five of our seven here, um, my parents are probably the only crazy people that are actually up listening to this right now. So if everyone can just say hi to Pop and Karen. Um, I thought for sure, and I told Ed this today, that um, I definitely pictured my dad teaching here before I did, so I think I got pretty lucky. And so I'm, I thank you for the opportunity. Um, and the best thing about what I get to do tonight is I get to share an update about people that I love and I care about. And a lot of that's my family and then some people that we're doing ministry with. So um, can I see that first? Okay. So there's our, um, this in the background there is a community called Masi Pumalele. And that's one of the township communities that Living Hope works in. Um, Living Hope was founded in 1999 and a huge part of uh, our effort is to reach out to people that are um, suffering with medical issues. And initially that was predominantly HIV and AIDS. Um, so much of what we do is healthcare, but a lot is prevention. A lot of it's filled with hope. Um, and so I'm going to share a little bit more about that in a minute, but um, that's our family. So I'm representing Living Hope. My wife and I volunteer with Living Hope, and my parents are pastoring Calvary Chapel Comakee. Um, This is a recent picture that we just had a a wonderful friend that did some photos for our family and we had to document this this thing on my face. Um, And a lot of people would think that I've chosen to do this just out of the fun and, uh, you know, the natural desire. I know it it is pretty interesting looking, right? Um, And whether you want to see it as a blessing or a a not such a nice thing, it's going to be gone next week. So you get to enjoy it in the last week. Um, Carla's brother, my wife Carla, um, what? No, okay. Um, her brother Brian and I, when we saw each other last time 18 months ago, we made a, a commitment that we wouldn't shave until we saw each other again on U.S. soil. So now we just have to f- t- find time to do that. Um, so yes, that's, that's my family, my parents on the right there. Um, in the next slide, please. Um, this is my, my wife Carla. And um, I just want to tell you guys, my wife is the greatest gift I have ever received. Um, And um, I wanted to tell you guys, when you have a partnership and God gives you ministry to do with another person, that is one of the sweetest things that you'll ever experience. And for me, knowing that I have someone that cares about me and loves me and is willing to do the work with me, she's constantly encouraging me. So many times when I don't deserve it. (laughs) But even, I don't know how many times she's told me that she's proud of me just in the last couple days. And it's like my love tank is like leaking behind me. Um, But I I just want to encourage her because... From the moment she met me, she has seen things in me that I've never been able to see in myself, and she sees past the things that I see very clearly in myself that are bad. And I'm so thankful for you. So I love you. Okay, next, please. These are our children. Avery on the left is turning eight tomorrow. Happy birthday, Avery. Um, Ezekiel in the middle, our son is uh, six, and Cassidy is four. Um, Next slide, please. I just want to show you guys what can happen in three years. These are our children when we arrived in in Cape Town in November of 2015. And then the next slide, three years later. It's amazing what can happen. 
I mean, I'm sure any of you with children, it's like, where does the time go? Um, but I just want to tell you a little bit about our, our kids. Avery is beautiful like her mother, and she has this amazing heart. She feels so deeply. Empathy has been a gift for her in her since she was two. Um, and yeah, just so proud of her. Zeke is a crazy boy, but also just loving and caring. And he's such an amazing balance of a, a little person. I mean, we, he just brings joy to our life. He's always kind of a balance in our, in our family. We can always count on him being steady. Um, and Cassidy in the middle there, she's our little wild child, always brings a smile to our face. But um, when she was born, she... Um, she was born with a condition called tracheoesophageal fistula, which is a mouthful, um, but basically means that her esophagus wasn't attached um, to her stomach. And so we have seen God work in her life in so many ways, um, and we know that her testimony is going to be a, a huge part of all of our lives. Um, but yeah, so we've been so thankful in South Africa that her health care has been incredible. Um, all the fears that we had, you know, when we first arrived there, um, we found out a couple days before we arrived that our medical insurance was denied, the policy that we had here, uh, missions insurance. And I cannot tell you how amazing God was to provide local health insurance in South Africa for our family, where everything that she's had to do, um, she's had pneumonia, she's had a, a few issues because of the issues with complications, um, and it's all been taken care of. Those things that were the biggest concerns for me, wanting my children to be safe, God has provided. And we're so thankful. Okay, next slide, please. These are my parents. Um, is there a ring? Am I hearing a ring? Or is that just my ear? Sorry, I'm hearing like feedback. Um, so my parents' names are Kirk and Karen. Um, anyone that's friends with my dad on Facebook, ever since Avery was born, he's adopted the name Pop. And uh, it's pretty funny to hear. Komaki's a pretty small town, maybe about six or 7,000 people, and everyone knows Pop. Everyone. The kids that, there's a, a crush preschool that's in their church. Um, everyone loves Pop. And my parents have um, stepped into a big role uh, about two years ago in pastoring the Komaki Calvary Chapel. And I just want you guys to know, because I think a lot of you probably have a, a closer relationship with my parents even than you do with my, my immediate family. And I want you to know how wonderful they're doing. Um, they are so faithful to the ministry there. They're faithful to the people. They're so invested in seeing people um, have reconciliation in their life, um, to be healed from things. A lot of past hurts and stuff in a small town like that. It's amazing what can happen. Um, when the enemy really deceives people. And they have been a huge part of bringing health in, in families and restoring things. And so I just really urge you to continue praying for them. Uh, they recently had a baptism. Um, and yeah, their church has grown. That uh, picture on the top right I was telling Carla is so out, outdated. That was about almost two years ago. Um, and the church has been growing. Uh, my dad has been raising up young men that have been teaching they're actually taking the month of December off, and he has four different men that he's been mentoring and discipling that are going to be teaching while they're on a break. They'll still be there at church on Sunday, but they're taking a break from the pulpit. And um, it's, a, it's been amazing to see my dad in that role. So thank you for your support of them as well. Um, next. So I wanted to just to give you a, um, a quick update. So just to Rewarn everyone. A lot of this is an update on what's going on because we're combining the two, right? But there is a, I'll get into the word in a few minutes here. Um, so Living Hope uh, is an organization that's main goal is to reach people for Jesus Christ, bringing hope and breaking the despair of poverty and disease. Um, and I have to tell you, when my wife and I went to visit them the first time in 2008, um, South Africa is a unique place. We have one South African in the house. There you go. Um, it's a unique place. When I got off the plane after coming from Uganda, 
I had the hardest time believing that I was in Africa. It's such a unique, diverse, um, culturally, so many differences, and it's just an amazing blend. I mean, and Denver's a big blend, but I've never been to a place like South Africa where I was kind of polarized. Um, but when I met John and Avril Thomas, and I, I um, you can go to that next slide. When I met John and Avril Thomas and um, heard about the mission and vision of Living Hope, it was like the thing that made no sense of South Africa made perfect sense because I could see God's plan for what we were supposed to be a part of. So when we went to visit in 2008, it was only nine months later that we were back. Um, in 2009 and 10, Carla and I went for the first time. Um, and after that, we worked as, uh, we were, got pregnant with our first child. Well, Carla got pregnant with our first child. Um, and then we came back here and we worked as pastors for five years. Felt a stir to come back because we were bringing teams every year. And um, yeah, so since September of 2015, we've been back there full time. And now we've, as you heard, been renewed to stay longer. I'll tell you more about that in a little bit. But John and Avril Thomas are the founders of Living Hope. Um, and in the, the reporting year runs from April to March. So up till March of 2018, we served 110,000 individuals. Um, and I'm going to tell you that's through four different, four different areas of Living Hope. So that next slide, we'll talk about the first one. Um, so healthcare is one of the biggest. So in our healthcare system, we have a healthcare center. Um, we have home-based cares, home-based care services that run in all of the township communities that we work in. And we have um, our um, HAST program, which is HIV, AIDS, um, STIs, and tuberculosis. So those are the, the, the health areas that we work in. Um, all of those services are 100% free of charge. A healthcare center is run on a government referral policy, a government hospital referral policy, where if you get a referral, you can come and, and receive 100% free care. Uh, we also do respite care for anyone that's caring for family members. And I cannot tell you how many testimonies I hear of families that have been caring full-time for loved ones that have an opportunity to get just a, a two-week break where they can just breathe and they get amazing health care. It's one of um, only, I believe, five accredited hospitals in, in the Cape Town area. Um, and so it's really an amazing thing. Um, one of the biggest things that I get to work with is our home-based care system. So our home-based cares start as volunteers, um, and they provide the most amazing care in our communities, in our township communities, which are... Um, greatly stricken by poverty and disease. Um, and they are the most selfless, called people that uh, I think work for us. Um, uh, next slide, please. We have a recovery program, which is an addiction recovery program that you can, uh, it's a self-check-in every day. Um, and we run on eight-week eight week cycles where we're using the Word of God to bring principles of healing and restoration. We're dealing with the issues that cause addiction. Um, we're, it's just an amazing program. We have counselors, we have um, social workers that work full-time with these individuals. Um, in that year, over 7,000 people were reached through, through the program. Uh, next, si next slide, please. Um, life skills. That's where Carl and I worked when we went the first time. We, uh, our life skills program is uh, after-school programs. It's it's prevention. So it's, it's taking a child um, and providing them with a way that they have an opportunity for a different future than they see around them. It's showing them value and purpose and calling in their life. To show them that God cares about them, that He loves them, that He's set them apart. Um, and it's, um, it's an opportunity to love on someone that might not have any other adult that's going to speak life to them. And um, the life skill educators that work in that program are some of my favorite people. I mean, they have be, been our friends since we first arrived there in 2008. They, the, those connections, those people are so incredibly selfless. 
And uh, just as a quick example, there's a life skill educator, his name's Tandazo. Um, there was a, a day where the kids did this activity where um, they had to draw a hand on a paper. And on that hand, in each finger, they had to write down a name of a person that they could go to if they needed someone. Uh, they had been talking about different curriculum of, you know, things that are not okay to experience, whether even if it's a family member, things like uh, inappropriate touching or um, different types of things like that. And um, this, this one boy sat there and stared at this paper because he could not think of, think of a single name. And um, Tendaza went over to that boy and he said, you can write my name right there. I'll be that person for you. And it's, it's situations like that that can change a child's life forever. I mean, can you imagine not having a single person that you could go to if you had an issue? Maybe you're in that place now, and you know, that needs to change. We need to find someone for you. Um, but that is such an amazing picture for me of what the, the life skills program is. Um, okay, next slide, please. And then we have our harvest training initiative, which... Um, is a farming program where we take students from uh, local students and stu students from the Eastern Cape that come to actually live at Living Hope. Um, they're finishing their theory and practical for their, their agricultural college, and um, they get to spend 18 months with us where we, do, we teach biblical classes, we teach stuff like finance and business and marketing, and we're using business principles to give, give these students a, a better chance as they finish their schooling. And uh, what we say is, we say we use tomatoes to grow people. And um, I've had the amazing privilege in this last nine months to be asked to be one of the trainers for the biblical teaching program there. And um, we call it Life School. And it's, it's taking these students that have, some of them have never been exposed to anything of Christ and giving them principles that are going to help them not only in their business, but help them in their life. Uh, many of these students don't know Jesus when they come, and uh, the group that came last year, um, of the 12 that came, uh, eight of them came to know the Lord within the first three months. And, um, yeah, it's an amazing thing. Um, and you know what, for me, seeing students become so confident in, in their goals, having them come alive to a vision and a dream for their future is one thing. But when that's boosted and, and lifted and empowered by knowing who they are in Jesus and knowing that they're not going to shake or wiggle around any of these principles of their business, that's huge. And so I'm really thankful for that program as well. Um, next slide. So, you know, I said that there's 110,000 people that were served in Living Hope last year. And I know that can be, for me, even being there, it's impossible to wrap your mind around. Um, my role at Living Hope is the, the volunteer coordinator. Um, so I'm a part of, ironically, and I think I joked about this last time I was here, is now you know a missionary that is a part of an HR team which is a really kind of an odd concept. But any of you that have had to deal with HR know that um, usually people go to HR when they have an issue. It's not really the, the friendly, happy corner that you stop by for encouragement. Um, but I can tell you that it's become that at Living Hope. And our team of four people, um, we see it as such a great opportunity, not only just to process people's paperwork and all of that, but actually to say, you know, if someone's coming for time off or asking for leave, there's usually an issue that's associated with that. And that we have a culture now that we stop and we pray for those people. We pray for our staff. We have about 220 employees and about 136 volunteers. And one thing that I've really loved in my role is I've become the recruitment coordinator. So people that come through and start volunteering, they immediately can get on a track toward employment. And I get to, to sit down with folks, and I get to ask them questions. I get to do their initial interview. And um, any of you that know me, for me, it, that personal one-on-one -on -one connection, that's where I thrive. Um, a lot of people joke that I ask too many questions. Um, and I don't really like to talk too much, which is why this is a stretch for me. 
Um, but I love to listen. And I love to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to me, to ask questions that are going to actually maybe shift someone's thinking or encourage them. Um, and maybe the, the Holy Spirit can show me something that's going to bring light to a dark situation. And that's something that I love. Um, there's a situation that, that happened this year where uh, we had a, a wonderful young lady. I was telling Ed the story this, this morning. Um, this young lady came in, and she came to interview with me as a, for a home-based care volunteer. And immediately I could see on her face, her smile, her demeanor, that she is, she is made to care for people. And um, you know what? People know that Living Hope is a Christian organization, so it's easy to tick the box. I'm a Christian. Um, knowing that this volunteer program is really working, it's a fast track to employment, so I'm going to answer the right questions. And um, as I started chatting to this lady, um, it, it came up that she, she uses Sangoma, which is a, basically an ancestral worship witch, witch doctor. Um, which is an interesting part of culture um, that I've really grown in my understanding. I still don't fully understand, um, but it's a unique piece of what, I, what I'm around. And um, what came up in that conversation, because I had been asking her questions, I was able to say, do you understand that your desire to heal people through your ancestors and our desire to heal people in Jesus' name, that th those things don't match. And if I was to allow you to volunteer, how that would compromise our values, how that could bring a lot of harm to what we're trying to do. And she was so gracious to me because, you know, I'm not from South Africa and people are so gracious. She said, yeah, I do understand that. But I was able to tell her, I see something in you that is beyond your ancestral worship, that is beyond you being, you know, ushered in as a Sangoma, that God has created you to care for people. I could see it on you when you walked in my office. And I can tell you that as powerful as you think your ancestors are, that Jesus is a true source of power and a true source of healing. And that he is someone you can rely on even when healing doesn't come. And I asked her if she wanted to accept the Lord, and she did. And so I was able to take her, take her um, over to our, our chaplain, and we were able to lead her to the Lord. And I want to tell you that sometimes I know when we're trying to reach people for Christ, there's those questions that come up in our mind of, it, did that really happen? Do you ever wonder that when you, you see someone commit their life to the Lord and you start to wonder, like, I wonder if that's really, was Jesus really in that? Is it really, is it, is it changed? I want to tell you that two months later, she volunteered with us for two weeks and got a job and moved on somewhere else. But I saw two months later, I saw her in the mall close by us, and her husband was with her. And her husband ran up to me and said, you're Kenny. My wife told me about you, and I have to tell you that our entire family has changed because of what happened with my wife. And I have to tell you that uh, as much as I never anticipated working on an HR team as a missionary, it's things like that, those opportunities for discipleship, those opportunities of being in real life with people, not being scared that someone's a Sangoma, but pushing through that and pushing into the, that life situation, that is where life is happening for me. And that is why I love the opportunity of where I am. So anyway, I said 110,000 people, but I wanted to tell you a few stories, and I want to encourage you as I was picking these eight people I pictured you guys writing their names on paper. And um, maybe as I share like a quick two sentences about each of them, maybe if you want to have an encouragement for one of them, maybe you'd want to fill something out, write something on a piece of paper. Um, whether you want to send, send us an email that we can pass along to them, or if you want to drop something um, on your way out at our table in the lobby, I would love to bring encouragement back to these folks because these people have changed my life. So I just want to share quickly. Um, in the upper left there, um, Chantal, she's on the, the right of that picture in the yellow top. Um, Chantal has become such an uh, amazing part of our family. She's worked for Living Hope for, I think, 11 years now. And she has such, uh, she's, um, she's amazing in the sense that she knows everything about Living Hope and she answers a lot of questions for me when I have questions. 
um, but she's uh, our community networking officer. So she's basically been running a program in East London, which is about 11 hours away, and is potentially going to be duplicating everything that Living Hope does in Cape Town. And I see a calling on her life to be a huge part of that. Um, and I think she's hesitant, but she not only is an amazing at her job, um, she's also our daughter Avery's Afrikaans tutor, you know, because our daughter has to learn Afrikaans because she's in public school, and um, we don't know Afrikaans. <laughs> and that can be very interesting when we try to uh, correct her, and, you know, we don't know how to say things, so she's her Afrikaans tutor. Uh, the boy next to her looks like a man. He's 16. Uh, his name is Leroy, and I tutor him in English. Um, and so we kind of have this, this fun relationship, um, and those are her, her amazing parents. Leroy is actually fostered through their family. He was a boy that came through Living Hope's programs as a child um, and was more or less a, an orphan, and they took him into their family. Um, Next on the right there is Nangamso. She works with me in the HR team. She's our HR administrator. When I met her, uh, when we did our new uh, intern induction in 2015, there was something about her when I, I met her. I asked her, um, you know, what is your goal? Like, what do you want to do with your life? She said, I want to be an HR manager. And I have to tell you, that might not sound interesting or unique to you, but with the people that I spend time with and I'm trying to pull information Dreams are something that aren't very common. People have not been taught to dream. And um, there's this wonderful phrase in, in uh, their home language, Kosa, that is, it's Sabella Uyabizwa. And it basically means to answer your calling. And that's something that um, Nangamso, we call her Soso, uh, is doing. Like, God has given her a vision She's an incredible young lady. Like, I can't tell you how, how unique she is and her abilities and uh, her drive. Uh, next is, um, is Nolo. We call her Mfundisi, which is, uh, she's our chaplain at Living Hope. Um, I've been a, a part of seeing her lead many people to the Lord, encouraging people, rebuking people in, in healthy ways. She's, she's like legit, top of the top. She's wonderful. Um, she's been my right hand when I don't understand culture. She allows me to ask very stupid questions sometimes and is so full of grace. Um, Nandi on the right, um, she's probably our longest friend at Living Hope. Uh, she used to be a life skill educator, now she's a family strengthening officer. And uh, she's, she's almost to the point of being a full-time social worker. And so she connects people in, in the communities to the resources that they need. And the young lady with her, her name is Oto. Um, she received a knock on her door in the middle of the night. And this young lady at the age of 13, 14, was more or less told that her parents didn't want her anymore. And Nandi took her in. Um, and so now we get to, I think, three years in a row now. We celebrate her birthday. She's become part of our family. Um, and Nandi has a voice as big as her smile. She has the most beautiful singing voice. Uh, if I could ha just put her in our luggage, it would have been amazing just to have her sing for you guys. Um, Brighton on the, the lower left, um, he's our maintenance assistant at Living Hope. And um, I've just been so encouraged. He was actually a uh, professional sprinter in Zimbabwe. And uh, his family has been through some serious challenges. Uh, his youngest um, was having a lot of seizures and found out that she had a, a blood disorder. Uh, and she just had to have a full blood transfusion done two months ago. And to see this man's faith and his care for his family and the leadership that he, he stepped into, not only in his family but at Living Hope, was such an encouragement to me. You know, when you, when you experience something like that with your child, you can respond many different ways. And I, I could see the maturity that God's given him and that he's growing him with and the way he responded to that. Um, Buzelwa, on the left there of that, those pretty three ladies, um, she's the administrator for the Harvest Training Initiative. Started as an intern volunteer um, and has turned into one of the pillars of who we are as an organization, in my opinion. I mean, um, she's 100% committed to her culture, but she's 
100% committed to Jesus. And that's what I, I love um, when I see South Africans that are sold out to Jesus but still embrace their culture. Because uh, there's some things in, in culture that are incorrect, and there's some things that are different. And those differences are beautiful. And I, I love what she's taught me about culture. I love how the students at the Harvest Training Initiative see her as a mom. Um, and she is absolutely wonderful. Uh, next is Tawanda. Uh, and that's his, his baby, Menashe, and his wife, Tabita. Um, Tawanda and I got to spend our first two years in the office together before I moved in with the HR team. And Tawanda is my, my best buddy. Um, Tawanda Matsigwa is the most uniquely wired guy. He does stats for Living Hope. He does stats all day and could talk about it all day. He could work on ways to improve stats. He could make you passionate about numbers more than anyone I've ever met. Um, whenever we do presentations, he's always coming up with a sermon to talk about, talk about numbers and stats, and it's an amazing thing. Like, um, you know, when you have people in the right position, it's evident, and he is in the right position. But he has huge dreams of running an orphanage one day, and you know he's uh, he's from Zimbabwe as well. Uh, and then Jessica is uh, our finance manager at Living Hope, and she, um, about a year and a half ago, our general manager um, stepped away, and she kind of assumed the role of our our general manager in in my office. And I just have to tell you the amount of growth I've seen in her in the last year, and her confidence um, to lead. Um, to encourage, to invest in people. Um, I kind of see her as um, a co-laborer in my office to encourage people. And um, yeah, she's been a wonderful blessing to us as well. Okay, so you guys take a chance. Were you inspired by a name? Write down an encouragement. I'll get, the, get it to them. Um, I love these people, and hopefully this makes the 110,000, maybe that gets it down to one. These, these people are reaching those 110,000, and uh, it's a privilege to work with them. So, okay, next. Okay, so um, I want to share just an encouragement with you guys that I, has been on my mind for a while, especially since I, I've been working with the Harvest Training Initiative. Um, being around farm students all the time really makes you start thinking about some things differently. Um, I still love to eat pig, but I don't really love to look at them. That's a bad joke. Um, I'm, I'm pretty good at bad jokes. Um, even my eight-year-old says that I have bad dad humor, and that shouldn't be coming from an eight-year-old. She should be laughing at my jokes. Um, so anyway... Um, I'm going to pray, and then we'll get into a little encouragement, okay? Uh, Lord, I pray now that um, as we've just had a chance to celebrate some of the things that you're doing in South Africa, and um, Lord, I just want to thank you that there is unity in this place, and Lord, because of the, the unity that you've brought between my family and Calvary Aurora, Lord, that the fruit that I was able to share, we all share together. Lord, I thank you that um, the kingdom fruit that you, that you grow, Lord, that comes, from, uh, that comes from your hands, Lord, that is, is so sweet that we get to share that and celebrate. And Lord, I thank you for this family that's loved and encouraged us. Uh, and I also just want to pray, Lord, that as we um, get into your word a little bit here, Lord, that you would inspire, that you would encourage, um, that as we're going to be talking about seeds, Lord, that you would give us a seed of encouragement, something to take away from this time, Lord, that will bring us closer to you, help us uh, rely on you in a, a stronger, deeper way, Lord, and that you would inspire us to something greater than ourselves. Uh, amen. Okay, so um, without a seed, we bear no fruit. Um, that's the, the message title. How's that for an intro? Okay. Um, if we can go to that next slide. If I was to offer you a fresh peach, how many of you would like that? I'm not a huge fruit person, but peaches are really delicious. Especially, you know, if it's, uh, you know, that, just that right, soft, you know, juicy, peaches are delicious. 
So just to be clear, pretty much everyone raised their hand when I offered you a peach, right? If I go to that next slide, um, how many of you would like a peach pit? Anyone? Okay, we have a taker. Okay. Um, how about a peach seed? Anyone? Maybe one more. Okay, not as many. You're not jumping to it, right? Why is that? You don't have... Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting thought, right? Um, and I, I've thought about this a, a lot the last, uh, the last few months. Um, and for me, I've been trying to think of how God gives us many seeds in our life. He gives us seeds through the people that we care about. He gives us seeds through the people that are investing in us. He gives us seeds from his word. His word is a seed to us. It encourages us. It inspires us. It's, it's ripe for a season. Um, there are so many examples of seeds in Scripture. Um, but a seed isn't as appealing as the fruit because it takes work. It takes faith. It takes investment. You have to know what to do with a seed. And a lot of time that requires leading and patience. And I, I want to just offer a suggestion. Um, anyway, if we can go to the next slide, I'll come back to that. Just as a few examples of, of um, sowing seeds in Scripture. I don't know if you guys can read that, but I'm just going to... Um, so if, if you sow tears, you reap joy. If you sow righteousness, you reap reward. If you sow injustice, you reap calamity. If you sow to the flesh and the spirit, or the spirit, you reap destruction or eternal life. If you sow sparingly or generously, you reap sparingly or generously. If you sow nothing, you reap nothing. If you sow in good soil, you reap a crop. There's all sorts of examples of what a seed can do. Some good, some bad. Um, but I want to suggest um, that through our life, God has given us many, many seeds. Some of those you can probably think, if you pause for a minute, you can think of really important seeds that God has given you at, at very important times in your life. But there's also a lot of times that God will give you a seed. Maybe I would suggest maybe a lot of times even in this sanctuary where you've walked out of here thinking, Lord, I really want to study your word more. Lord, I feel so inspired to be encouraging to other people. Lord, I want to reconcile that broken relationship. I want to ask forgiveness for what I've done to so-and-so. But so often we walk through the doors and that seed that God has planted that's for our good, we forget. Have you been there? Have you done that before? Why do you think that happens? I've been, I've been like really thinking about this lately and I think that um, the enemy is really good at bringing confusion and distraction into our life before that seed ever has an opportunity to become fruit. Because if, if I sat here and I was able to hand you a fruit you're probably more likely to take action than if I gave you a seed. And um, that next slide, please. I feel like we probably have a pile of seeds in our life. Um, and I've just had an opportunity, just as we've, as I've been preparing, even in just the last week, um, to reflect on a lot of things in my life that are... Um, that are seeds. And if we can go to that, that next slide, um, I just have been really thinking about why do we forget or neglect the seeds? And um, I want to be just transparent with you guys, and I want to share a couple of things. Um, and I want you to, to encourage you to think about maybe some things that are in your own life that would answer these questions. Um, what seeds have I neglected? Um, I can tell you right now that there is one person that I have been neglecting uh, having a conversation of reconciliation 
and I'm stubborn, and I've been putting it off. <laughs> Anyone there? Reconciliation is good, right? And I'm allowing my thought life to be overtaken by fear of having that conversation. Um, what seeds have I sown? I want to just, you know, for me, having children change my entire life in terms of how I reach out and cry out to the Lord and ask Him for inspiration and guidance. Um, and with every one of my children, God has given me seeds. Like with Avery, I very clearly felt like she's going to be an instrument of peace. That's a seed for her. With my son, God's going to use him to bring perspective in people's lives. I haven't seen that a lot yet, but I, I trust that that's a seed that he's, he's given me for him. With, with our daughter, when she was born with those, our youngest daughter Cassidy, when she was born with those medical issues and we went to worst case scenario, like, is she going to live? Like, we didn't, we didn't know. We were, we'd never been through that before. We had two completely healthy children before. And we had this moment where we knew God gave us a seed that she is going to be the one to share her testimony. Not me. Not my wife. He's going to carry her through that she is going to be the one that gets to share her testimony and people are going to come to know him because of it. That's a, that's a wonderful seed. Um, there are some things in my life that I feel like God gave me seeds a long time ago that I'm still waiting. Like, I, I feel like I'm faithful in the seeds that he's given, and I'm just waiting for a harvest. Um, and so, if we can go to that next slide, I, I want to read Psalm 126 with you guys. If you can turn to your Bible. Turn in your Bible to Psalm 126. I'm going to read the whole passage. There's just a portion of it up here. It says, When the Lord brought back the captives to Zion, we were like men who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. I was reflecting, one of the biggest things that I re reflected on in this time was um, a great seed that God gave me in a really difficult time in my life. Um, there was about a year and a half period where I really suffered with depression. And uh, it was, Carl and I had only been dating for maybe a year. And um, she got to see the absolute worst part of me. And she still, maybe that's a seed for her. <laughs> because she had some major, major faith to stay with me and stick it out. Um, but that, series, that season of depression was so difficult for me that there were so many days that I would go to sleep crying and I would wake up crying, that I would lash out in anger toward people that I cared about. I mean, it's a season that I, I'm so not proud of, but I'm so thankful for how God has restored me. Um, and uh, there was one night that Carla came to me, and she was so incredibly patient with me, but there was one night that I, I had gone way over the line. And she came to me, and she, she, we were engaged at the time. And she gave me her engagement ring, and she said, this has to change. And it was like a breaking point for me. Like, okay, now I've, I've, I'm about to lose this person who's like the greatest gift. And... Um, when I went to, to bed, I fell asleep crying on the couch. And I woke up the next morning, and I had this thought, uh, the next slide. And it was like clear as, clear as day. It was like it was written on my eyes. Suffering makes blessing complete. And I woke up with this thought that now I see as a seed. Um, I had this immediate thought that I was supposed to write this on my arm. And so I started writing this on my arm every day. And um, the reason that this psalm is so powerful to me 
is because there, there were so many times, even through my depression, I felt like I tried so hard to be faithful to the Lord, and I was seeking Him, and I was crying out to Him. And that's why this, this really comes to life to me. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy. Because I have to tell you, as I chose to believe that suffering makes blessing complete, for the next, it's been, what, 13 years, 12 years now, that seed, not only has it become so true to me in so many ways, even looking at our Savior, the suffering He went through, there, there's no blessing without his suffering. The amount of people that have trusted the Lord in a different way because of the testimony of that, what a seed. I'm so thankful for that season of my life. I'm thankful that he's restored me, but I got to tell you, I can still go to that place. I can still see myself in a negative way, which again is why my wife is so important to me. Why is she such a gift? Because she, she, she sees through that. Um, but I just wanted to um, encourage you guys with that. And um, I want to offer you just a, an idea here, this next slide. Um, as you're reading and you're studying and you're asking God to bring his word to life in your life, His word is seed. The truth of Scripture changes you. It changes us. It transforms us. It makes us more like Him. When we choose to put faith into these seeds, that's when the, the change happens. That's when beauty happens. That's when transformation happens. So I just want to suggest this thought that when you speak the word in faith, you plant a seed. And I want to encourage you that I think God wants to use all of us to plant seeds in people. When the word comes alive to you and you know beyond a doubt that God is speaking to you, share that with people. You never know how that, for that exact moment, could change someone's life, could change the projection of their future. Um, and so as we close here, um, I just wrote down kind of what I see as a, a prayer that I want to pray over you guys. Um, and so for me, I think this picture of a seed and I think of, of my heart and I think that so many things that we're trying to be like Jesus in require a lot of work and investment, but not work that we can do on our own. And so this, this is the picture of our heart being a a field that needs to be plowed and tilled and the soil needs to be made ready. Um, so I'm going to read it and then I'm going to pray it over you guys in a minute when I close. But um, cultivate the soil of my heart, O God. Make it fertile and expectant. Give me a desire to sow the seeds you give. Hide me from the schemes of the enemy. Protect me from distraction, apathy, and neglect. In your goodness, remind me of your promises. May the seeds you give bear kingdom fruit for the glory of your name. For me, we know the enemy loves to steal. And I'm just offering you the suggestion that the reason we are so inspired to start something but forget quickly is not just because we're distracted or not just because we multitask or not just because we're busy. There is an enemy that's wanting to steal those things. Because I can tell you when, when you invest and when you, when you plow and you ask the Lord to make your heart fertile, he grows those things that he plants. He doesn't plant just to have seeds laying everywhere. He has intention. He has purpose. And we get to see the fruit of that. And what a blessing, amen? So before I pray that, I just want to, the next slide. Um, these are our kids, and these are the, how many of you filled out one of these cards for us? Okay. So this was such a blessing. Emily Hitchings brought those for us when she came to visit. It's been almost two years now. Um, 
But you know what it's like? To, I don't know how many there were. There must have been 200 or something crazy. It was amazing to feel the love that you guys shared with us and the time you took. It may not have seemed like a lot to you, but when you have a stack of papers of people praying for you and loving on you, that propelled us for six months. And I, I just want to thank you for that investment that you made in us. Um, and then I'm just going to venture to say this Kosa phrase to you. It's Sia Bulela, Ngobubele, Bako, Nenaso, Yako, Sia Kutanda. And that means thank you for your generous support and we love you. Um, and so if, if we could, I would love to just close and pray for us. And then I'll invite Pastor Ian to come up and the team. Okay, Lord, we come to you now, and I just want to thank you for what you're doing in this place. I want to thank you for the opportunity it is to be with people who love you. Lord, I also just want to acknowledge that um, there may be some people that are, are listening or are here tonight that are, are seeking. And Lord, uh, as we can scratch for answers and we can search with all of our strength and might, Lord, I know that you are the only answer. Lord, I want to lift the needs and concerns and struggles, fears that are gripping us, Lord. I pray that you would intercede. I pray that your Holy Spirit would protect and bind. And Lord, I pray that your perfect love would cast out anything that is keeping us from you. And so, Lord, I, I just pray that you would cultivate the soil of our hearts I pray that you would make it fertile and expectant. Lord, would you give us a desire to sow the seeds that you give us? Would you hide us from the schemes of the enemy, protect us from distraction, apathy, and neglect? In your goodness, remind us of your promises, and may the seeds that you give bear kingdom fruit for the glory of your name. Amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.